Welcome back to Beers and Careers. This is your host, Mark Agustinelli. Um, as always, the podcast is brought to you by Davis, the Davis Companies, www.daviscos.com. Davis is a staffing firm that focused on uh, technology fields such as IT, engineering, and manufacturing, and offers a number of different products as well as um, different ways in which to mitigate costs as you onboard your talent. And more importantly, uh, engage and retain it. Um, so give them a shout, um, or us a shout, I should really say, uh, if we can help you at all. Uh, today's guest is Lynn Turner. Lynn has an awesome uh, career that is completely not linear. We, you know, we talk about her journey from marketing to coaching and all the different iterations it had in between. Um, you know, the, the family work-life balance and its uh, impact on decision-making. We touched on mentorship. We hit a lot. Um, she's always fun to talk to. Uh, she's someone who's had a pretty big influence in my life, um, both personally, but also in the meetings that she's facilitated uh, for myself and for our company. So hope that you enjoy uh, this podcast as much as I enjoyed talking to her. I must admit, we recorded this on a Monday afternoon. And it was took me a little while to get going and letting it rip. I feel like the last two thirds are much better than the first third. But hey, what are you going to do? This is real life. Enjoy. Lynn, if you don't mind actually by starting by kind of just introducing um, introducing yourself and maybe do you want to give like a the Reader's Digest version of your career path, so to speak? Certainly. Absolutely. Um, Reader's Digest. It's been a long time since I've. I've read Reader's Digest, but, um, you know, my career, I, I start off by telling a lot of people, my name is Lynn, but my career path is anything but linear, uh, quite honestly. Um, it's the shortest way I can describe it is it's zigged and it's zagged, and um, it's it's been an interesting ride. Um, Started out, I think I was telling you that I started out in going to school for, for medical lab and was basically a half a credit away in an internship from graduation. At the same time, I was working for a video production house. And, um, and at that time, you know, it was a small place. We probably employed about 10 individuals and, um, you know, he was, he knew I was going to be graduating, knew what I was going to school for, and he asked me to stay on. And he said he would send me to business school because he knew I was, you know, going to school. Um, so he had to sweeten the pot a little bit, I guess, um, or felt he had to. And this was at the time the AIDS was coming out, so I'm probably giving away my age now. Okay. Um, but uh, AIDS was coming out, so I, I really had to to give it some consideration. And after a lot of thought, um, I made the decision that, you know what, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to um, take him up on his offer. Um, because there was a lot at that point, there was a lot of unknowns about AIDS, just kind yeah. of like there's a lot of unknowns right now going on with coronavirus. So it was kind of that same, same feel. So I figured a bad day at the office, I'd rather have a bad day at the office than possibly getting um, stuck yeah. with the needle at that point. Um, so I had to make that hard decision too of also telling my parents that, uh, you know what, I'm kind of throwing away the, not really throwing away the school thing, but uh, I'm going to uh, change change paths here and, um, and start on this new path. So were you, um, I have so many questions about that. Were you surprised, like, I guess, how was it telling your parents? Let's start with that. Sure, sure. You know, um, obviously, I think for most parents, college is very important right. to them. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to disappoint um, my parents. I don't think any of us want to disappoint our parents. Um, you know, I was a bit of a, a hellion as a kid. And, uh, you know, this was my chance to somewhat redeem myself, if you will. <laughs> So it was it was an extremely hard um, uh, conversation to have with my father more so. But when I explained everything out to him, I gave him my rationale and told him, too, that, you know, um, I was going to still be going to school. I was now going to be going to business school. 
you know, he was, you know, he was fine with that, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's adding another element. But, you know, I had gone through quite a bit of schooling. And like yes. I said, you know, I, I was almost there. <laughs> yeah, did you, um, I'm guessing being so, were you were so early in your career, were you kind of surprised about the offer from the, from the owner of the other business? Like that had to take you off, off guard or catch you off guard, I should say. Yeah, yeah, it really, um, it wasn't part of the plan, right? It wasn't part of the plan. I didn't expect it. Um, I obviously, I was flattered. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the interesting thing, Mark, was everybody was going, at that point, everybody I knew was going to school for business. And for whatever reason, I always like to do things differently than everybody else. I don't know what that says about me, but I don't always like to do what everybody else is doing. And, and honestly, I don't really understand what going to school for business even meant. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what does that mean? Um, so that's why I had worked in a hospital doing um, volunteer work as, as a kid. And, you know, what I saw from that was kind of cool. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get into that profession. So, um, you know, when he, when the owner of that company made that offer to me, I was just like blown away. But the thing was, what I was finding was I was really gravitating towards that work that I was doing. Um, it was a small business. You got your hands in a lot of different things. And he really wanted me to get into marketing and start marketing um, their business. Okay. So, so yeah. I mean, was there like a quid pro quo, so to speak, about it? Like he was paying for business school. Was he expecting you to stay on for a, a number of years? Like is that how you guys worked the deal? Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, he, he paid for, for business school and, um, you know, he wanted me to move into marketing. Um, and he was, um, he, was, he was interesting as well. He originally went to school as a pharmacist. Okay. Oh, so he, he, he kind of knew something about your path then. <laughs> yeah. So so he originally went to school um, to be a pharmacist and actually, I think, got the degree. And then his his side hobby was photography. And he got into video production. And we did video production for lots of different businesses like Clairol, Bristol-Myers, um, Zimmer. Zimmer um, did... Um, knee and hip replacement. Oh, yeah, um, we work with them. We know them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, so I really loved learning about different businesses and um, was like, you know, um, this is really, I think, where I need to be. Medical lab, I don't think, was the right choice after I got more into it. Like, I, And I know you, so I obviously know you in your most current role, I would say, your current profession. Sure. Of, uh, a business coach is how I think of you. Is that the is that a fair title? Business, yeah, yeah, yep. Business growth strategist, I think, is what you've got on LinkedIn. But um, yep. along the way, you had a number of different jobs, right? You were in the family business specialization. There was a radio show at one time, which probably would have been a podcast if it was right. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, can you maybe give us um, where? maybe one of the one or two momentous decisions along the way of what made you eventually, because obviously you worked for that video production company in marketing, but very different than what you've been doing for the last 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I worked for him for a number of years and um, then um, ended up getting married um, and he actually video, um, my wedding, so. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. So. <laughs> um, but. What's that? So you didn't burn any bridges. Didn't burn any bridges. Didn't burn any bridges. Um, and then I got an offer to work for Spalding Sports. Okay. Um, so I started working there, and again, it was within marketing. Um, I they used to call me the hurdler because mm-hmm. I I had several different jobs while I was there. I worked there for about 10 years, um, but I worked in um, mainly in what they would call retail, which was everything but golf, you know, so they had their golf division and they had their retail division. 
and I worked um, doing licensing, and I worked on both sides of licensing. So we would license our name out to different companies, so shoe companies, clothing, um, uh, drinks, you know, you name it. Um, pretty much there was um, different companies that would put our name on it. Um, and then I also worked on the other side where we were the uh, licensee and um, for like the NBA and Warner Brothers. Mm. And that's where I got into, um, I worked exclusively with Warner Brothers and their Looney Tunes um, product. And that was, so they felt LT, Lynn Turner, Looney Tunes, yeah. there was yeah. something that's, there. <laughs> that's, that's too funny. That is too funny. So, which is pretty along the line. I mean, you're still in marketing now. Yep. So yeah. I was in marketing. Okay. So it was marketing doing, um, you know, did all the products for for Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers and got to see a lot on branding, too. So I got to get exposed to how, like, the NBA does all their branding, how Warner Brothers does their branding, and how Spalding did their branding as well as marketing. So it kind of was all wrapped into all of that. And, and I stayed there, you know, for, um, for a long time. And because I was traveling so much, me and my husband kind of put the, um, the family thing on hold yeah. for a while. Because to me, I wanted to be present for my kids. I didn't want to just send them off to daycare and, you know, be on the road all the time. I, I wanted to raise them type of thing. So. Yeah. That's really cool. Before we get into the family aspect, just out of curiosity, I'm, I always think that people that will listen to this podcast are folks that are, um, recent college grads, recent high school grads, people thinking about career changes. Uh, what, was there anything unexpected about working with Warner Brothers, the brands of Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes, or like, you know, the NBA? I mean, those are some, I can imagine yourself as someone in your, I'm going to guess you were in your early 30s, working on, or early to mid 30s, working with those kind of brands. I mean, there's a swagger and a confidence that comes with like, man, I'm doing some really cool work. Um, and I'm kind of interested to know, if, if, was it all it's cracked up to be? Were you, did you love it as much? I mean, you were there for a while, so you clearly enjoyed the job or, or the work, I should say, not the job, the work. Um, can you share something about that time? Cause that's that I find that interesting. Yeah, I gotta say, um, one of the best experiences of my life, okay. um, because I, I was in my twenties at the time, right? Awesome. So, so I'm in my twenties and, you know, they're sending me on, on all sorts of trips. I'm meeting all sorts of cool people. Um, I was also working with, um, um, different endorses such as um, Hakeem Olajuwon, oh. we had Shaq, we had um, at the tail end of my career was Kobe Bryant, um, sadly um, he passed. Um, but so, and the thing was, you know, I wasn't a huge basketball fan <laughs> right. at the time, but um, I worked with an incredible group of people. I love, and I'm still connected to all those people that I worked with. Um, and I learned a lot. Um, when you say unexpected, yeah, it was completely, I, I never ever dreamed that I would be doing what I was doing. And I loved what I was doing. That's so wild that you were going for lab and then, you know, lab medical work. And then, you know, within <laughs> what, five to 10 years, you're sitting with Akeem Olajuwon and Shaquille O'Neal. That's a wild, that's a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was. It was surreal at some points, for sure. Did you ever have a conversation, like, with your parents at around that time? Was there any conversation about, like, hey, remember when I said I was going to do this and we were like, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, um, unfortunately, not so much. My, my father ended up passing away um, not too soon after I got married. So, so unfortunately not. But I felt... Um, you know, I knew, you know, my mom, actually, I, after my father had passed, um, I did end up taking my mom on one of the trips um, because we used to do different trade shows. And twice a year, I had to go to Vegas. 
So, you know, a little bit after my father had passed, I told her, I said, why don't you come along and we'll, I'll take some vacation time afterwards. And, and so that's what we did. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, what a, it's crazy how they come full circle like that. That's really, that's a really cool uh, little trip with the mom after too. Awesome. So then how did you, how did you leave there and end up, you, you had a couple stops before the radio show though, right? Yeah, so so basically what was happening with um, Spalding at the time was um, they were getting bought out. Okay. And it was it was actually a family-owned business, um, a, um, a Venezuelan family, of all things, owned Spalding at the time, and they decided that they were going to sell. And it kind of got real – it wasn't a great place at that point – just because every day just seemed like, you know, what was happening. And, you know, I wasn't real high up on the food chain necessarily um, at that point. People become territorial. Things are not right. It's, it's a different world going through a transition like that. Yeah. So then that also became another hard decision for me. So it the fun wasn't there like it was. And... Wow. And every day, you know, we were seeing people, um, you know, getting let go um, and because they were downsizing, right sizing, whatever you want to call it. So it kind of had lost its luster. And, you know, I could have sat around and said, I'll just wait it out. And maybe if they are going to let me go, I'll get a package. Um, but I, I d- decided, you know what? I can't take this anymore. I want to be in control of my own destiny. Um, so I decided to um, forego any type of package, and I started looking for additional type of work. Okay. And I figured, you know, I had the marketing behind me, but I didn't really have a lot of the sales. You know, I would go, I would assist salespeople um, on their calls, but I wasn't the main salesperson, if you will. Right. So the business development side of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, basically with marketing, we came up with the strategies um, and then we gave everything to the salespeople at that point. And then they would go sell um, to to our consumers. Um, So I said, you know what, to make myself more well-rounded, I felt I should get a sales background. So I found this organization. I mean, I looked at a few different places, but there was a um, hair care distributor of all things. They sold professional hair care to salons. And it was what they had talked about in their, um, in their ad and everything was that, that it was consultative sales, which interested me. And, you know, it was about helping those businesses and helping them through um, developing strategies for selling our, our products, right? So, you know, they invested a lot of money, this company, in, in hiring a lot of different people. And I got hired. Um, one of the things that I specifically asked, because I was interviewing them remember just as much as they were interviewing me because I'm like look at I'm leaving this company that I've worked for for like a decade right and you know I'm forgoing any type of package so I want to make sure that I'm working for the right type of company right so you know you're playing with house money right now right you're like I don't need this job but I might want it exactly exactly So, you know, one of the questions that I had asked about was about um, vision and mission, right? And I'll never forget it. The woman in the interview, um, there were a couple people in the interview, and she kind of pushed that aside. She said, oh, you know, that's just kind of a buzzword that's going around right now. And, you know, so... I kind of thought about it and I was like, all right, you know, I didn't know, you know, it was just one of these questions I had added to my mix. And I'm like, well, maybe she's right. You know, I I am hearing a lot of buzzword about it. I got into the company. I found out very quickly how important 
um, having an organization, understanding what their mission is, and are they staying true to it. Um, it was at that moment that I really understood um, because it wasn't too far long into working for that organization that they were flip-flopping what they were doing. Mm. Um, so one minute you're a consultative salesperson, the next minute they just want you to push product. Yeah, hit your quota, hit your quota, hit your quota. Interesting. Is that what inspired the consulting work down the road? It did. It sounds it, like a big moment. It did. So what ended up happening was, so remind, remember, I had told you, I had put the family thing on, si on the yes. side for a while. Yeah. And towards the end, um, my husband and I had been talking about, you know, maybe we should start the family. But then I was talking about, okay, you know what, I think I'm leaving Spalding, and it's probably not the right time, right? So we decided again to put it on hold. And... Um, well, before I started with the new job, because I had time coming to me, some vacation time, I took time off, right? And I didn't realize it, but I had become pregnant in the time that I started this new job. So I've got to say, I was a little freaked out when I found out I had actually been working there and had gone through training. And then it wasn't until after that that I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, crap. You know, yeah. what, what am I going to do here? Um, so anyhow, I went in and I told them and they were like, oh, that's really great. This industry is, you know, perfect for, you know, working moms um, because typically sale um, salons are closed on Mondays. Right. So um, and that's when we would go into the office and have our office meetings and and et cetera. And she's like, you can set your schedule, blah, blah, blah. Well, um, about, let's see, a um, few months later, so that was probably July, no, July, August that I had told them I was pregnant. And I remember we had bought a house. So end of the year, me and my husband purchased a house. We closed on it on January 29th. <laughs> it was a Friday. And then I was out on the road um, way out at the top of the state because I had 91 um, from Chicopee all the way up to Vermont, right? And I get a call on a Friday from my office saying, can you come into the office? And I sat there and I thought, either I'm getting a promotion or they're letting me go because you don't get called into the office on a Friday um, for typically any other reasons. So I drove down to the office, and sure enough, they had laid me off. And I was scared because I carried the insurance. And I'm thinking, I am pregnant. And at that point, I was about six months pregnant. So I'm not very marketable either right. at this point. And I had, the Friday before, I had closed on my house. <laughs> That Friday, I lost my job, yeah. and then the following Monday, my husband lost his job. Oh, whoa. Yeah. And just a few years earlier, you were living the dream with Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, wow. So was it like batting down the hatches mode? How did that go? I mean, you're laughing about it now. Well, yeah, I remember, so at the time, we were still working on the house, and my, my husband at the time and his dad were here, and they were working on the house. And I came home that Friday, and I remember walking to the kitchen window, and I just stared out of it. And I said, I was like, I don't know if I should laugh or cry. I really, this can't be happening, but it was happening. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so batting down the hatches. Um, so my husband... You know, once he lost his job, he, you know, scrambled really quick to find another job, obviously, because I, yeah. I, I wasn't marketable. I mean, I, I, I didn't see the sense in going on interviews to say, yeah, hi, I'm applying for a job, but I'm going to need maternity time in like a month or so. Um, so, so it was a time to kind of reassess life at yeah. that point. And, uh, and that's what we did. 
Um, so I somewhat decided, you know, we kind of decided I'll be stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did that for a little bit. Do you think you're, do you think, I just know you as being someone who's really industrious and hardworking. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like you're, because I think the dynamic unfortunately hasn't changed much in 2020, right? Like if you're six months pregnant, I think it's still pretty hard to get a day in and day out office job, which is a shame. But do you, do you think that with the advent of the internet, and just the other abilities to make uh, an income. Do you think you would have maybe gone about things differently? Do you think, I don't mean getting like a corporate job, but do you think you might have been someone who would aspire to be like, well, I'm just going to do whatever it, it takes? And I, I ask that because um, when my wife has asked me questions like, well, what if this goes wrong? And what if this goes wrong? It's like, well, then we'll sell the home and I'll work at McDonald's. Like, I don't know. We're going to find a way. I'm like, it's not like, I'm not going to be that attached to it all because it all could be over in a second. So I didn't like, do you feel like the circumstances may have changed if you were rewriting history years later? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, possibly. Yeah, I, I probably would have been. Um, I, I, there weren't as many opportunities, you know, looking back that, to work from home mm. at that point. Um, and the interesting thing, um, what, if, you know, so some bad decisions came out of it too, mm. um, you know, because I ended up starting a business at that point too. Okay. Uh, because I was trying to, like you said, um, I'm trying to, bring in some income because I have never not worked. Yeah. That's why I could, I could, I get the feeling just knowing you as long as long as I have that you wouldn't just sit on your hands idly. Yeah. So, I mean, I've worked since age 11. Okay. Always had a job and I don't know how to not have a job quite honestly. Um, So, you know, after, you know, my son was probably about, um, well, well, what ended up actually happening was I wasn't the only pregnant woman to get laid off from this company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a whole other thing. Interesting dynamic. Yeah, so um, I I get, ended up getting calls from some of the other um, women that I worked with who also had become pregnant. Yeah. And they had laid every single person that was pregnant off. Uh, let them go. So, um, and knowing that this other woman had reached out and she had gotten into this multi-level marketing thing and said, Hey, did you want to try it? And honestly, I gave it a go, but I, I won. I don't think I got into it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You and, just for the cash and for something to do, but your heart wasn't in it. Exactly, exactly. Monarchy has the same theme of marketing as the previous part of your career. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not used to selling direct to consumer. Right. It's such a different sale, right? It completely is. And in order to do that, I think you really have to, like, love, love, love the product. You have to, you know. Yeah. And that, I I think I, I was just, you know, I was trying to fill in some income for the house. It wasn't a true love, love, love of the product. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So what was this radio show about? I'm I'm dying to hear. So what ended up happening was um, I answered an ad, right? Um, It was just, it was serendipity. Okay. There was a marketing position, freelance marketing position um, in the paper. Just one day opened it up and there it was. I answered the ad and it was, this is actually, um, I'm not getting to the radio show yet because this came first. Um, And it was for a family business management consultant. And I went and met with the woman and we hit it off. And that was one of the best moments of my life because Mm -hmm. next to the birth of my kids, um, 
because she she ended up being my mentor. Okay. And she was the one that introduced me to coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so had I not opened the paper that one day just out of the blue and made that call, I would have never met this woman, um, Dr. Casey LaChapelle. And she was brilliant beyond, you know, she worked with the Harvard Families and Business Program. Um, you know, she worked with one of the founders of Family Business Management. Um, she was just, um, she was an amazing woman. And she kind of understood, while she was hiring me for marketing, I think she could tell that um, I may be good for coaching. Yeah, capable you know? more. So she actually, so another opportunity that came my way was, she had um, signed up for a coaching school because the thing with coaching is it's an unregulated industry. Right. So anyone can call themselves a coach and, you know, you don't have to go to school for it. You don't have, there's no degree. There's none of that. Um, So she actually um, signed it over for me to go to school. Mm. And again, I kind of had, I had to pay her back. So, and I did it through marketing her business and that's how we worked out our deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually went to for, to formal coaching school oh. and, and that's how I got into coaching. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And that was just from answering an ad. It was just, and honestly, I wasn't looking. It was just one day I happened to open it up. And saw that freelance job and said, oh, you know what, I'll give it a call. Wow. Yeah, so serendipity. Um, wow, isn't it crazy how just one thing like that will change your life dramatically? Absolutely, absolutely. So that is one thing I would say to people is be aware of opportunities. They're everywhere, and they come in different shapes and forms. Um, don't let them, try not to let them pass you by. Don't get too focused yeah. On things. The interesting thing too is, um, before we get to the radio show stuff, but like you mentioned, your heart wasn't in the marketing kind of job and and uh, that scheme as you mentioned, and like I I got the sense at that point in time you were very prudent about like what is this, am I going to be into this and is it going to be fun? You know, like is my heart going to be in it? And then I was just trying to think to myself, I was like, well, I don't know if when I made my choices, if I did it around fun, you know, like, it, I guess it became fun, though, but I, I feel like it's so important to, uh, like, what was your decision making criteria or how would you, how did you apply the decision making criteria of like what you learned at Spalding and then what you learned not to do from jumping in kind of feet first into that marketing thing? Like, how did you use that down the road? And is it, is it just coming down to trusting your gut? and not trusting your gut at that point in time? Yeah, so, I mean, I think you do. You, your body tries to tell you things, whether we recognize it or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, our, our, our bodies, you get a weird sense about something, and, you know, we, we justify things all mm-hmm. the time. Um, so I think it, it is really important to really pay attention to what your body is telling you. Um, I mean, like I told you, I had a great experience at Spalding. I worked with a phenomenal group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned so much. Um, You know, there was uh, one gentleman who I thought, I mean, he and I worked so well together. And at one point, I kind of dropped the ball with something. And I thought I blew it with him. And he was mad. I'll tell you that much. He was really mad at me. Um, I heard words like I never heard before on the other end of that phone. Um, and I, and he actually, unbeknownst to me, he had recommended me for another job that I got in Spalding. Mm. And I was, I was kind of blown away that he gave me such a, a, a recommendation that he did. Mm. Um, but having gone through the experience with Spalding and really having a love for that position and then those different experiences that you have, you kind of, you, you, you are setting criteria uh, along the way. You know, I wanted the work to be meaningful. So having worked um, 
for a large organization, you know, I saw the good, the bad, the ugly as far as management styles. Um, I quite honestly was very fortunate. I worked with a lot of great people, um, but some people I knew didn't work with some some um, of the best people, you know. And, you know, seeing those different things and seeing the impact that that has on others, um, you know, I wanted to make sure, you know, quite honestly, I really wish I had known about coaching when I was at Spalding um, or for my career. I think it would have made a huge difference um, for me as well as for others. Um, so the more I got to learn about coaching, I was it really resonated with me. Um, and, and one of the things, you know, early on as a child, um, I had wanted to be a counselor. Um, you know, I, um, it was important to make a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I think the coaching actually kind of came back full circle to that. And I was able to do it through coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was part of the criteria. I don't know if I answered your question. No, that's good. That make, I think that makes sense. I'd say um, there's a lot to unpack there because I feel like at times it's really just learning about yourself. It's the self-awareness thing. I'm totally with you. For me, i got to be honest, 90% of the big decisions I make is all gut feel. Like I'm like... Like, I get it. I think if anything, you guys, um, your business, and then uh, through some of the mentors I've had have taught me to use data to make more informed decisions, definitely business decisions and such. But um, I remember being at a family uh, business seminar. Uh, it's got to be six or seven years ago. And it was um, a CEO talking about handing the business over to the, to the next generation. And there were two things he said that really stuck out to me. One was um, give the people below you enough rope uh, to break their legs, but not to hang themselves. And I thought that that was a, that metaphor always stuck with me. Um, but the real thing, the real point of, of what we were talking about with that was he mentioned when you're, oh God, I don't want to, I don't want to do it wrong. Just had, a, and I just had a brain fart. Come on, Mark. Uh, <laughs> come on. How does that happen? Oh, from a mentorship. Oh man, I lost it. Now, now I'm embarrassed. Good lord! Like my brain's not working. I got too derailed with my comment about uh, not hanging yourself. We were just talking about what? Help me jog my memory. Well, we were talking about decision making, and um, you know the criteria and oh, listening. your gut. Following your gut. Yeah, he said. He said, uh, I've always trusted my gut, and when my guts failed me, my gut has learned not to make the same mistake again. And I was like, I like that for me really resonated because that was like how I made my decisions. I remember my parents dragged me to go to a private high school orientation. And I remember it was an all boys school. And I remember being like, there is no way I'm doing this. Like I'm that eighth grade kid and all my friends. Right. And it's like we're going to school in a different town. And I remember sitting there in the auditorium. They did like a 10 minute montage of like the sports teams in the schools. And I didn't even like, we were like six minutes into this thing. And I remember turning to my dad and being like, you're right. I'll go here. And we hadn't even like toured the school yet. I didn't even like taken the test or anything, but I just remember those moments in my life where it's been like, if it feels good, do it. Like just jump. So I, I always get like to get a sense from people. Is it like, you know, are you a data-driven person or are you operating more on gut? I, I think you've, you're kind of articulating a balance, but you definitely trust your gut. Yeah, I think it's important to pay attention to your body because um, your body typically is giving you some warning signs. So that is data yeah. to, yeah. a, to a certain fair. degree. That's fair. Um, and 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 you got to support it with other things. Um, and, you know, when making big decisions, um I, I always ask myself a, a series of certain questions, and I do, and I tell clients the same set of questions. When you're given an opportunity, so to speak, what are you going to regret more, doing it or not doing it? Right. And what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of my have been my go-to's. Um, for making for making certain decisions. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I the only one I would add to that is that I use is what what's the best outcome too? Like how good could this be? Because I feel like a lot of the times when you say yes to something, 
you kind of start, you know, driving uphill for a long time before it gets good. You know, like that, you know, it's all but always like, well, what could this become is how I keep myself motivated to get through the slog, if you will, of, of grinding in the beginning. So now that makes, that makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. You find, you mentioned, um, was it Dr. Casey LaChapelle? Yep. Uh, was your mentor. Um, someone said to me recently, and I found it really interesting. It really caused me to pause when I thought about the way I think about mentors, I've always thought about them in the way of like a formal mentor, right? And even at Davis, we have a mentorship program. Um, there are definitely people that I've had like a lot of one-on-one -on -one interactions with that I've gotten a tremendous amount and we've had more of a formal mentee-mentor relationship. But then you said, you know, then that I've learned quite a lot about people from that, you know, weren't the best role models too. And they, the the comment they made that paused me concern was like everyone in reality that you get in that you're doing business with or working side by side with is a mentor, and I kind of thought about it the most it really resonated when I was like growing up in a sales pit because you're listening to other people's conversations and you're like that was good I'm using that wow that was terrible I'm never gonna say that and I was like and I kind of thought to myself I was like wow those people even though some of them I only interacted with for three months and others for five years. They were all mentors, like along the way. Like, like it's it's a um, it's kind of a hard conversation now that for me to have. It's like, what is a mentor? You know, like I, I can see it every which way. Oh, absolutely. I I agree. And you know, a lot of times, you know, we recommend people to to identify a role model. Um, and to me, role model. And a lot of times, people think of them in that positive aspect. Yeah. Which, what you said. Um, I know a lot of people that had role models that of what they didn't want to be, and that's just as important. I think it's almost easier for me to see that because I can watch someone do something, even from afar, even if they're not coaching me, but uh, but I'm watching what they're doing. Even now, people that aren't even in my business or in my industry, just from afar, reading the news, reading biographies like about people and being like, wow, that is what, that's what they made for a decision. Then you get to watch the ramifications and you're like, this is how I would have handled that. And I bet it would have come out better. And and I think that for me is sometimes uh, more confidence inspiring to a degree, because I think when sometimes you get infatuated with the way a person does it, it's really hard to mimic a similar outcome and a similar style. And you kind of get, I think maybe I'm learning about it more now as I'm, as I'm, uh, becoming smarter and more experienced. But when I was younger, I could see myself just kind of going the wrong way and doing it almost for the wrong reasons. Like, well, if it worked for them, it's going to work for me. It's like, mm, probably not, actually. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And that's why I say role models, because, yes. I, you know, and there's different aspects of individuals that I like, just to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. They may do this really well, um, and, and I may want to try to replicate how they do that. But to your point, I'm a different individual. Mm. So it may not come off exactly that way. Right. And then when, and when you're doing it that way or you're trying to copy someone else, generally people can see it coming across as disingenuous because they know sure. you too well. You know, it's just not it's pr probably a really good leadership managerial tip, really. Right. Just be yourself the whole Absolutely. way through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry, I sidetracked us hard there with my story. <laughs> that's fine. That was interesting. That that's really interesting. That's cool that that was the inspiration though for the coaching thing. Yeah, yeah. She she um really um if had I not met her, I don't know where what I'd be doing. Um and I tell people it's that is my passion. It really um it spoke to who I was and I was able to take the experiences that I've had all through my life and then use those for the coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would make you a better coach than if you had got into it right after Spalding, maybe. Even. I believe so. And that's, you know, one thing I will say, too, about school is I always found it better to be working or at least have had some work experiences and then do school so yeah. then you can um, apply the learning. Yes. Because otherwise, you know, you're learning theory on certain things, but where's the application? It, yeah, it's, um, I'm not going to lie, it's the biggest struggle I had uh, 
five years ago in, in about considering an MBA. It was like, I, and I actually have ended up not pursuing it because in my gut, I felt like I wasn't going to be invested in it. And I was doing it because it was the next logical step after your bachelor's degree or my parents were encouraging it. And I was very, you know, you know, I grew up in a unique household because uh, there weren't a lot, you know, both of my parents had master's degrees, which wasn't that common, you know? Yeah. So like, that was just the way. And then I got in a sales profession where it's like a master's degree doesn't do anything for you necessarily, necessarily. And then with the way that my career transitioned, it was like, I'm living a master's degree. Now, maybe I'm missing out on some of the philosophical, uh, and not philosophical, but some of the conversation and dialogue and discussion, but... Man, through roundtables that you guys have posted, podcasts, books, I feel like there's a lot of ways to incite some of that. Um, I'm not taking anything away from the NBA. I mean, and obviously we know there are certain industries you cannot escape the need for that. I just, for me, it was like I'm learning more by doing, and by you know, I, and maybe it's going to take me a little while longer because I got to mess up to learn from my mistake, but I won't make it twice. I don't know. That was how I, that's how I reached my conclusion, which is kind of similar to like, it's funny because I've never correlated, but a lot of your decision making uh, really resonated with me in terms of that decision. Yeah, and I think you have to look at, I think it's really important what you said about looking at the intent. What is the intent for it? Um, and, and some people use the MBA as a way of also networking. Depending I mean, that's on basically, yes. Which is kind of what it is. I mean, I almost feel like, um, Bachelor's degrees are becoming more and more networking, okay. so, right? I mean, more than ever. So, oh no, that's that is really interesting. So, so then you were inspired by coaching, and is that when you started your own business right away? Yeah. So I ended up um, starting my own business, and you know, because that's what uh, Dr. Casey she she knew what I was looking for. So it was to to that point when you were asking me. Um, if I were to make these decisions today, would it be different? It would be different because there were more work-at-home options. Coaching at that point was really a work-from-home option for me uh, because, you know, my kids were little. Um, well, actually, at that point, um, I don't even think I had had Brendan. Uh, Mark was my, uh, my oldest son at, the point, at that point, and I think I was just pregnant with Brendan, and that's when the whole radio show thing started as well, um, because what was happening is I had started my own business, and and Casey, Dr. Casey LaChapelle, she introduced me to this other gentleman who I think you guys might know. I th I'm pretty sure Brendan had, um, had gone through Dale Carnegie. Um, he was the teacher, but Bob Arnold. Okay. Um, he no, was, I didn't have Bob, but that's wild. So she introduced me to Bob Arnold, and he's a Dale Carnegie trainer of trainers. Mm -hmm. And of all things, he suggested for, um, he said, you know what? He's like, I do Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. He's like, you want to join Toastmasters with me? And I was like, sure. Um, and while I was there at Toastmasters, there was, you know, there's this whole group of us. But this one gentleman one day approached me afterwards, and he's like, Lynn, have you ever thought of doing a radio show? Hmm. And I was like, I was kind of stunned because me and a girlfriend had always joked about doing a radio show together. And I, you know, so he kind of threw me back a little bit, and I was like, I, I hadn't thought of it other than that, but, you know, explain to me what's happening. But anyhow, he and some other people had purchased a radio station, mm -hmm. and they were looking to get some shows going. And I thought, you know what? In Western Mass, at least, coaching really wasn't an understood profession. People mm -hmm. still thought of it in terms of sports and, you know, soccer mom, you know, what is this um, personal, professional, and business coaching? So I decided to start a show um, at that time. However, I was pregnant. <laughs> so I don't recommend making decisions when you're pregnant for yeah. any listeners out there. Um, and, but one of the things that, one of the great things about it is 
yeah, I probably bit off more than I could chew, mm-hmm. um, which isn't always a bad thing. It, right. No, not at all. Nothing like drowning yourself in responsibility. <laughs> exactly. Because I am going to make this successful. So, um, you know, realizing my situation, what I decided to do was um, because I needed to manage time and energy mm. um, being pregnant. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? With with a child already. With a child already. That's a the second. I mean, not that I've experienced it, but I've been <laughs> the partner. It's a different it's a different uh, experience round two. Absolutely. So here I am. I'm trying to um, manage my own coaching business. And I've already got one young child. I'm pregnant and I'm going to start a radio show. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But I'm like, okay, I already told him I'm doing it. So I'm doing it. And I had, um, obviously, I had um, been in a network group with some other coaches. And I said, you know, why don't we do this show together? And it's a way to promote. So the intent, my intent for the show was to promote the profession of coaching. And at the time, my husband was like, why are you going to have these, in his mind, competitors on your show? And Mm. I'm like, well, I don't, they're not competitors. We each have our own niche. And that's going to, in my mind, (laughs) exactly. And it just helps to educate. It was all about education for me to educate people about what is coaching, what can it do for you? And and also give people an opportunity to maybe even get coached over the phone or uh, over the radio should they choose. Interesting. So. I I gotta say, Lynn, there's been like four times in the conversation now where I feel like you are, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I've always seen you as someone who makes really prudent decisions, and I feel like every time you've been, you're like, yeah, I'm doing the risky thing. <laughs> like. I, I didn't know. I didn't know Lynn this way, which is really cool. And uh, but I guess, and I think I keep asking you the same question, the same, the same question a different way. But I'm kind of interested. Do you do you feel like, do you feel like you're someone who looks at it and enjoys the risk, or do you really just lean on the, um, am I going to regret not doing it? Like, is it practical for you, or are you the person that's like, I'm jumping off the cliff? <laughs> um. I, I do always look to what am I going to regret more? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh-huh. So you're, you're, you're all, you are kind of seeing it for what it is and taking a step back. It's not truly emotional. Yeah, it's not emotional. And I am kind of weighing things out um, as to what's, you know, to what you talked about earlier. What's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? Mm, yeah. Um, and, you know, it comes down to, you know, Henry Ford had a, a, a quote, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. You're right, you're right. Oh, so good. That's you so know, so it, it is the mentality and how you go into it. So I think, you know, going back to that story I shared about starting that multi-level marketing business, my mentality wasn't there. I wasn't in the right mindset for that. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't going to help me to make that business successful. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into it for the right reasons. Mm. Um, so it, it's really about making sure you're doing it for the right reasons and, and you know, putting those things in place to help you be successful. Right. You know, so I, I understood that time and energy was going to be a challenge. So that's why mm. I decided to open it up to my comrades and, and say, hey, let's do this together. That's cool. That's really cool. I, um, I, there's a segment of uh, the podcast that I want to jump to in a second, but before we get there, because I don't want to miss out and not let you get the opportunity to kind of plug your current line of business because Clear Vision Alliance, like for me, and I was just looking at your LinkedIn and kind of looking at the way you describe what you guys do. (laughs) And I think the biggest impact that you know, we work together um, in a personal, in a one-on-one, and then a, as well as in a B2B capacity. And I feel like the, the my favorite part about working with you and Robbie has been like 
the taking of global um, macro and micro trends at all levels, you know, whether they be international focused, nationally focused, regionally focused, um, you know, just different kind of trends and then applying them to your specific situations or realizing also how, um, I, you know, I participated in a roundtable with Ravi and Lynn for folks listening. And the craziest thing was like, I don't know when it happened, but we were in there with a construction company, a bank, a manufacturing, we're in the service industry. And we kind of boiled it down. I think you realize by like the sixth or seventh class, it's like, holy shit, we all have the exact same problems. And no matter what we got into, we'd be dealing with the same stuff. So I just want to let you kind of give a plug so we don't at least pass over it. We'll, we'll have to have you and Robbie back eventually to talk about it maybe more in depth. But because that, I would say those roundtables had a profound effect on my curiosity as a person, uh, the weaving of my uh, personal and professional choices, and then also um, just realizing that everyone is basically facing the same problems in business, whether you're selling peanuts or pencils or people, you know, like, yeah. Do, you feel, do you feel like I encapsulated what you do? Okay. As my pitch, but you know, do you, how do you see what you guys are doing today? Are you, are you from where you guys are moving towards? I know we haven't worked together in a uh, intimate relationship in a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Ravi and I were both, um, formally trained, uh, business and executive coaches, um, unbeknownst to us, we went to the same school, wow. uh, yeah, we didn't realize it. Uh, we didn't, you know, go at the same time. We didn't know each other then, but we did go through the same schooling and, you know, it, it is interesting because, you know, most people, when they meet us, they ask, how did you two become friends? <laughs> because we couldn't be any more different. But I think that's what really adds to um, what we offer uh, our clients. Um, you know, we do, we both are learners. Uh, we both like to learn about what's going on in our world um, in all different types of industries. Like I've shared with you, I've been exposed to so many different industries and I've always enjoyed learning about those different aspects. Um, so that's what we, we, we really, um, Ravi and I both share a love for learning and sharing that learning and sharing knowledge with others. And, and, and that's how we became partners is, um, we do have similar values. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I find with businesses is there has to be values alignment. When I have to spend too much time trying to convince somebody that they should use our pro, you know, our product service, they're probably not the right fit at this time. Um, and that's fine. Um, but you know, we are, we do have certain criteria that we're looking for, um, with the clients that we're working with. And it's all about helping businesses stay relevant. And especially now, I mean, things are changing so rapidly and it's crazy. And how do we stay relevant um, during these times? Mm. And no. that's actually next week. I'll just do a little plug. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. It's this week. Um, we've been doing free free um, webinars every Wednesday. And this uh, this is the last of the series, but we will be restarting them again. But it is about um, imagining the future, mm. uh, you know, especially post-COVID. Yeah. Well, I would say if you're in the southern New England area or really anywhere to check out Clear Vision Alliance and we'll put uh, a link in the podcast notes to your to your guys uh, contact details so people can find you as well along the way and spread the news. We've had a significant impact on the folks I know that have been in the program and have made some lifelong friends from that, which has been really cool. It's always good to have someone to pick up the phone to that's looking at that, you know, what they've experienced. So when you ask them a question, you kind of have an idea of where they're coming from. And it's not just, uh, you know, your buddy that you drink beers with on the weekend. It's someone that, you know, has experienced it. So I must ask you, as we enter the, this other phase, you started by saying you had your first job when you were 11. What was it? I, well, I was a babysitter and a dog sitter. Love it. Yeah. Classic. I cornered the market. I was one of the only girls in the neighborhood. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. And there is definitely something. I would, I, it's so funny now having children. Um, 
not to be a total sexist, but I do absolutely much prefer to have my boys being watched by a girl because I know what I was like at 16, 17, 18 years old. It's like I can't, I can't keep it together. I, I don't. Hey, we know boys develop later, so there's data. I was gonna say. There's some data. <laughs> I have two boys. There's some data. Oh my god. So that's uh, it's too, it's too funny. What is um, what's your favorite cocktail or drink or libation? Well, I've been sipping on it. This, so we typically drink ciders, and we've actually started making them um, during oh. this time. But I'm drinking sangria right now. I saw the sangria. I think it prop sangria is probably perfect when it's about 80 out and humid. So, I mean, it's perfect. I went I went uh, vodka soda today for you. I'm so I usually cheers at the beginning. You know, it's hard. It's hard to pour a drink on a Monday. I was like, oh, my goodness. What day is it? Uh, it's beers and careers time. Um, what day is it? Do you have a favorite curse word? I've never heard you curse, I don't think. Really? <laughs> um, well, Someone because... The only good days. <laughs> if you get me really mad, <laughs> right? I might see some things fly. Should I ask your children? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and actually, um, I don't know. Have you ever watched Madagascar with your kids? Oh, yeah. Sugar honey iced tea. Yes, that's so good. That is so good. I have. That's awesome. That's perfect. That's perfect. Now, you mentioned a Henry Ford quote, and I know you guys are, are into quotes and saying to people, what are, what are any other favorites you have or particular favorites? Um, well, I got to say, Eleanor uh, Roosevelt is a huge, I'm a huge fan okay. of hers and just, you could take anything of hers and, and I love it. Um, you know, she does talk a lot about, um, about fear, um, you know, not letting fear get in the way mm. and, and being courageous and all of that. So, um, but one that I, I tend to use a lot is do what you feel in your heart to be right for you'll be criticized anyway. Ah, that's exactly what we talked about. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. We didn't really talk about people criticizing you, but we definitely talked about following your heart. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, any, uh, like, thing about your daily routine that people would find weird? Well, recently, we've been putting a diaper on our puppy. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. How old is your puppy? What's that? How old is the puppy? The puppy is, let's see, um, just about eight months old. Okay. And she's in heat. And, oh. and the vets aren't open yet. Oh, that is an unexpected consequence of coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we didn't anticipate this. Um, we got her in November. And, uh, That's so a challenge. That's that is that's unusual. Yeah. That absolutely wins. Absolutely wins. <laughs> um, one question I love. Maybe we could wrap it up with this. Do you was there a defining moment for you when like your job became a career? I know we talked about the transition into coaching, um, but was there ever a moment where it was uh, like it transitioned from like man, you know, I'm waking up on Mondays and I'm and I'm going to work to like wow, I'm waking up on Mondays and I'm building something for the future? Or was that from the get-go? Yeah, I think it's just been part of my DNA. Um, like I said, I've I've worked since I was 11 years yeah. old. Okay. And so I always took jobs seriously. And, and maybe that's what that business owner saw when he made me that offer to um, – you know, to, to work for him full time. Um, maybe he saw that commitment or yeah. what we want to call it. But I, I, I do a lot of introspection and I do a lot of assessments, as you know. Mm. And one of my strengths through strengths finders is responsibility. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. You know, there, have you read the book, um, Why Talent is Overrated? No. I just started it last night. In fact, I'm only like 30 pages, 40 pages in. But the premise I believe that they're making is that um, there really is no, the, the only difference between um, 
top performers and the average person is deliberate practice. And that deliberate practice generally comes from just being obsessed with it. Yeah. Which is kind of, which is kind of interesting. So, um, I'll let you know how the rest of it goes. Yeah, keep you posted. Uh, 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 Lynn, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I think this is a perfect uh, example of like nonlinear career paths, difficult decision making, and the fact that like your personal life does, you know, we, we all too often separate the personal and professional in the decision making part. And I think uh, your roundtables kind of taught me that they are basically one and the same. Um, and, and now even more so. Right, but literally as we're we doing this from our houses. So, We'll have to continue this, uh, maybe get Ravi on and share a little bit more about what you guys have going on. But I really appreciate your time, and thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. This was awesome. I had a great time. Awesome. Thanks for the drinks. Yeah, thanks for the Monday drink. Can't <laughs> complain. Can't complain. We'll uh, take care, stay safe out there, and we'll talk. We'll touch base soon. Okay, thanks, Mark. Thank thanks, you. Man.